Y'all, you don't even know how fucking scared I am of the ocean. It covers 70% of the planet, and we haven't even explored more than like 5% of it. Plus, have you seen deep sea creatures? That's way more scary than little green men, even though I've had recurring nightmares about aliens since I was seven. And octopus are so fucking smart that if they ever made it on land, I'm convinced they would take over the human race almost instantaneously. But this isn't about me and my weird fears. This is about the Mary Celeste, a ship whose crew just up and vanished while at sea in 1872. To this day, we have no fucking idea what happened to them. My vote is for either a giant squid or an octopus who learned how to speak and convinced them to join the underwater creatures who want to take over the planet. Welcome to the creepiest sleepover. I'm Kat, and as previously established, I have a huge fear of the ocean. Just being on it. I can look at it, but I don't want to be on a boat out there. Ever. But I guess that fear of the ocean has also led to a fascination, because I am equal parts riveted and totally creeped out by shipwrecks and underwater life. My toddler, she loves the aquarium, and I swear if she ends up wanting to be a marine biologist, I will have to support her from a long, long distance. The Mary Celeste was a merchant brigantine that was built in Nova Scotia, Canada in 1861. She was known as the Amazon then, but was transferred to American ownership in 1868, where she got her new name. Fun little personal story. The Mary Celeste was built in Spencer's Island, which is a little village on the Bay of Fundy. When I was 13, I went to Nova Scotia on a school trip. One of the girls, from my explanation of how the show got its name in the last episode, was actually on that trip with me, my best friend at the time. We still talk, so hey, Joe, if you're listening. Anyway, we went to the Bay of Fundy to go whale watching and did a whole bunch of other really cool stuff on that trip. I didn't learn about the Mary Celeste there, I don't think, but my dad told me all about it when I got back. He also had a really weird interest in shipwrecks, so I guess it shouldn't have been surprising that he knew this story. Just something I thought of while I was researching. Anyway, the early years of the ship were not uneventful. For her maiden voyage, the initial captain, Robert McClellan, fell ill just before leaving. John Nutting Parker, yes, I giggled too, took over and headed off to London with the cargo. Nothing exciting, just timber. Off the coast of Maine, the ship collided with some fishing equipment, but ended up making it to London okay. After leaving, they ran into and actually sank a brig, which wouldn't have been too hard, honestly, because brigs are way smaller than brigantines. I know this from my many years of playing Sid Meier's Pirates. After that, though, the ship just did its merchanty thing. In November of 1861, it was the subject of a painting in Marseille. I think I'm saying that right. I'll post it on our social media. Parker was captain for another couple of years until William Thompson took over. In 1867, though, it was driven ashore during a bad storm and was written off as derelict. I guess, though, that's basically like when my stepdaughter got into the tiniest car accident, some punk kid backed out of their driveway too fast, and there was a tiny little dent in the side. The insurance company ended up deciding it was totaled. Like, she still drives it. It works perfectly fine. But... 
I think the Mary Celeste might have been a little worse off because the guy who ended up buying it for just under $2,000 ended up spending almost $9,000 to repair it. His name was Richard Haynes. He made himself the captain and then ended up losing the ship to creditors in 1869. Haynes was the one who renamed the ship the Mary Celeste. And that's sort of important, I guess, because they say that changing a ship's name brings bad luck. And if there's anything I've learned from movies, it's that nautical type people are way superstitious. But anyway, no one's here to hear about all this shit. Let's get to the good stuff. Benjamin Spooner Briggs was the captain in 1872. He owned four of the 12 shares in the ship and was married to his cousin, yes, his cousin, Sarah Cobb, with whom he had two children, Arthur and baby Sophia. He picked his crew meticulously. His first mate was a man he had sailed with before. The steward was picked by recommendation of another shareholder, and the other five sailors were described as, quote, peaceable and first-class sailors. In other words, it should have been a pleasant journey to Italy with the captain's wife and baby daughter in tow. Even Sarah, she wrote to her mom that the crew appeared very capable and observed that they seemed to get along really well. On November 7th, 1872, after a short weather delay, the Mary Celeste left New York Harbor where there were not 32,000 ships. That was a Hamilton reference. You're welcome for getting the song stuck in your head. on a path to Genoa, Italy. A little under a month later, on December 4th, Captain David Morehouse aboard the British brig, okay, I'm gonna butcher this, the De Gratia, spotted a ship sailing weird, midway between the Azores Islands and Portugal. He ordered his crew to investigate, and they found the Mary Celeste, with no one on board. The ship was damaged, but obviously seaworthy, There was some damage to the sails and the rigging. A couple of the hatches were open with the doors beside them on the deck, and the lifeboat was gone. There was some water in the hold, about three and a half feet or so, but apparently that wasn't unusual. Which, sorry, I don't want any water in my ship that's supposed to keep me out of the water. The ship's log was still there, and the last entry was dated November 25th, nine days before they found it. The location logged was about 400 nautical miles away. That's 460 miles in American. Morehouse decided to sail the ship to Gibraltar and sent three men to the Mary Celeste. De Gratia. I'm going to butcher that every time. I'm sorry, guys. They got to Gibraltar on December 12th and the Mary Celeste a day later. Of course, an investigation was carried out. There were cuts on each side of the bow that looked like they could have been on purpose and possible blood on the captain's sword, because that was still there in its rightful place in storage, not just thrown somewhere. The guy examining the ship said he didn't think it was due to heavy weather because of a vial of sewing oil that was sitting upright on the desk. But no one acknowledges that it's completely possible that it was put back there after the original crew found it. They found possibly more blood on the ship's rails and a cut that might have been from an axe. In the end, though, they couldn't find any concrete evidence and the ship was released to sail to Genoa with its cargo. So what in the hell did happen to the crew of the Mary Celeste? 
There are a ton of theories, but we'll really just focus on a few, aka the interesting ones. Let's just really quick go over the boring ones, though. So insurance fraud, or a conspiracy to split the salvage proceedings by the two captains. That's boring. Uh, Panic. I haven't mentioned that the cargo was denatured alcohol, which is basically ethanol that has stuff in it to make it taste bad so people won't be stupid and drink it. Sometimes stuff like that gives off explosive gas, and the ship's log does mention small explosions from the hold, but that's fairly common and not much to be worried about, according to what I've read, but personally, I think any explosion is something to be worried about. So some think that maybe there was a bigger sounding explosion, so Captain Briggs panicked and got everyone on the lifeboat and sailed away. Slightly more interesting, but still boring. Possible, though, I guess. So it could have been something natural, like a water spout or a sea quake. I think the sea quake is probably more likely because it ties in with the last thing I mentioned. It could have rattled the barrels, which made them release more gas, thus a bigger explosion. In the panic, maybe they didn't secure the line to the ship, so they just sort of floated away to be lost at sea forever. Sadly, the interesting theories are all highly improbable, mostly because they come from literal works of fiction. Arthur Conan Doyle, aka the Sherlock Holmes guy, was inspired by the story of the Mary Celeste, and he wrote a short story that was published in a magazine in 1884. In this story, a fanatic who hated white people um, killed the crew and took the ship to West Africa. The narrator of the story only survives because he has a magical charm. Somehow, this story was actually taken seriously enough by the U.S. consul in Gibraltar that he actually asked Doyle if any of the story was based on fact. Now, Doyle, to his credit, said absolutely not, and he never thought that his work of fiction would be taken seriously. Of course, like with any disappearance, there are crackpots who want their 15 minutes. One person claimed that he was the sole survivor and that they had been on the deck watching an impromptu swimming contest when the deck collapsed and everyone was eaten by sharks. Way to capitalize on my ocean fear, dude. Another person says that the crew were basically pirates. They spotted another ship, robbed it, abandoned the Mary Celeste, and sailed off to Spain to live out their new lives. And these are my favorites, the really far out ones. <laughs> Giant squid have apparently actually been known to attack ships. This is from the Natural History Museum, so they would presumably know that. I am literally picturing just a couple of squid tentacles reaching up and grabbing people off the ship, like the Watcher in the Water outside the Mines of Moria in Lord of the Rings. That's some old one shit right there. Or maybe it was alien abduction. There's no evidence for it, but there's nothing that says it wasn't, either. Kind of tying in with what I said at the top, maybe Atlantis really does exist, and they whisked the crew away. Everyone go watch the movie Atlantis right now. Kida's the best Disney princess. Amazingly, the Mary Celeste continued to sail for years after the disappearance of Captain Briggs, his family, and crew. It never did well, though, and might have actually been cursed. Her final captain, Gilman Parker, ended up conspiring with some other shippers and ran the ship into the Rocheloy Bank, another thing I hope I'm pronouncing right, uh, which is a coral reef in the Caribbean, and that wrecked her beyond repair. The Mary Celeste wasn't the first or the last ship to be found unmanned in the sea. 
It was the 1800s, after all. It's not like we had radar. They've never found the wreckage of the Mary Celeste. The legacy has lived on in movies, radio plays, and in the modern-day documentaries telling her tale. Even if the wreckage is found, that still won't explain what happened to Captain Benjamin Spooner Briggs and the crew of the Mary Celeste. Thanks for joining me for this nautical adventure. Maybe it was kind of boring, but I'm so fascinated by shipwrecks, ocean disappearances, all that stuff. I remember being scared to go to Florida as a kid because it was too close to the Bermuda Triangle for my liking. I thought I'd disappear forever, not just like travel forward in time, like that one episode of Torchwood. I don't remember if that was the Bermuda Triangle, actually, but it was an airplane, so whatever. Next week, the case that got me into true crime at an age that is probably way too young to be interested in it, the Texas Eyeball Killer. Who was the creepo who murdered sex workers in the Oak Cliff neighborhood of Dallas in the early 1990s? And why the fuck did he take their eyes? Find out next week on The Creepiest Sleepover. Sleep tight.